My name's Scott Weatherly, and I'm the host of 20th Century Geek, the podcast that looks at all aspects of geek and pop culture from the 20th century. Whether by myself or with an amazing guest, 20th Century Geek delivers full movie series retrospectives, classic comic reviews and discussions, interviews with those that created and contributed to 20th century pop culture, and everything else in between. 20th Century Geek is your one-stop shop for retro geek talk. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, and all other podcast catchers. Sequart presents Judging Dread, 13 essays, analyzing 2000 AD's most beloved and reviled character, forward by Matt Smith, interview with Rob Williams, edited by Scott Weatherly. Find out who is the law. Welcome to another episode of Countdown to No Way Home. Uh, In this episode, we're going to be discussing the second Spider-Man film. Some consider maybe the best Spider-Man film ever made. I don't know if that's so true today. But Sam Raimi's follow-up to his original Spider-Man film, which is very well titled Spider-Man 2. And with me to discuss this film is Dave from Comics in Motion. Hey there, Matt. It's good to speak to you again about a bit bit more Spidey. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm getting pretty excited for the for the film, and uh, I have enjoyed coming back to these. I think the first first kind of thing I want to like get into because I think this film is it's aged very well, and that people really hold it in high regard. But do do you think this is as good as it gets? This is as good as it got for the first five Spider-Man in film. I'm including the Amazing Spider-Man as well. Yeah, I think, or oh, Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're Jewish. <laughs> um, so I think so, to be honest. I mean, this is really, it kind of created the template for me or, or it, it executed it better than most. I mean, how many times do we see in a superhero movie the hero lose their powers in the second movie? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit of a trope now, isn't it? But Superman, at this I think, time, uh, Superman two did it back in the. Superman the two did it film. first. You, yeah. You're absolutely right, um, and he actually lost it for about five minutes when I went back to watch it. I was like, ah, he only loses his powers, gets his end away, and then gets beaten up, and then he wants his powers back. So, <laughs> but you're right, it, it did happen there. But I think at this point, you're not thinking, oh, I've seen this so many times before. Whereas now, when you see it, I mean, we've just spoilers for Venom. If you've not seen Venom, happens to Venom as well. You know, Eddie loses Venom, loses powers, essentially. It just happens over and over. And I just think, unlike X2, which I don't think ages as well as maybe our minds suggest it it does to us, I think this one does hold up really, really well and and is the yardstick, I think, for Spider-Man movies. Definitely. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I think I'd have to agree that this is probably as good as it got for the five Spider-Man film. Um, it's, it, it improves, it improves a lot on the first, the first film does have its problems. And I think this one kind of learned from them and, and fleshed out the things that, you know, they need to improve on. I think for, first of all, 
the acting is all all round much better. I think Tom McGuire, yeah. Kirsten Dunst, and uh, James Franco are much better in this film. Although James Franco's character, I think he's kind of weirdly written because sometimes he'll be like happy and nice and then turn to kind of screaming, asking questions about Spider-Man to Tom McGuire, and that's kind of off-putting. It doesn't really flow very well in many of the scenes. Um, I, I, a couple of facts. Did you know uh, Tobey Maguire was recast in this film? He was recast with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, didn't he have a back problem or, or well, something? There's, yeah, there's, there's uh, a lot of discussions around that. They, he, he says he had a back problem that he got from filming Seabiscuit. Uh, and then after a lot of negotiations and a big uh, increase in his salary, somehow his problem <laughs> uh, healed up on its own. But Jake Gyllenhaal was ready to go. I mean, would you have liked to seen uh, Gyllenhaal as Spider-Man? He also was, uh, he played a villain eventually in the Spider-Man franchise, but I think he would have made quite a good uh, Spider-Man. I think he could have done, but um, I mean, was this in between Spider-Man 1 and 2? That this whole discussion happened. Uh, yes. Or... So they essentially the the film was getting all ready to start filming. So they've said, Tobey Maguire, it's time for you to come back, do the film." He says, "My back hurts." So they say, "Well, we've got a we've got to press on." So let's recast him. Uh, they did auditions. Jake Gyllenhaal got the role, uh, and then eventually, after some negotiations, his salary uh, was massively increased. So he earned, Tom McGuire earned $17 million for this film. Sounds like a footballer, doesn't it, in the premiership? It's like, oh, my back. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a new contract. Oh, it's better now. Mm. Um, Phil Coutinho was doing that. Anyway, um, yeah, I, th- I think he'd have done all right, wouldn't he? But I like the continuity of having yes. Tobey Maguire there. Right? Yeah. I, like I guess the fact- in the timing of these films, continuity wasn't such a such a big thing for uh, superhero films and these kind of, mm. the, 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 you know, it wasn't a big franchise. But yeah, definitely. It, it, it was, it, I, I prefer to have him back. Um, I think what makes this film sort of stand out and why it's so memorable for people is it's got so many great moments in it and i think mm. everyone always talks about the the train sequence where Tobey Maguire stops the train and i mean that's been parodied and it's <laughs> kind of spider-man lore now i mean it's even in uh, into the spider-verse they do they 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 give a nod to it mm-hmm. uh, but for me that's not my favorite scene in this film my favorite scene uh is the hospital scene when uh, Doc Ock is unconscious and they and the doctors are trying to remove the um, the arms from him, and mm-hmm. it's just an absolute bloodbath, and he kills everyone in the room. I mean, I remember, when I watched that as a kid, that scared me shitless. Well, the way that shot, I mean, obviously you've got Sam Raimi at the helm there, but you know, a lot of this, a lot of this trilogy is not necessarily horror. Mm. Uh, but I thought for that particular scene, it, it was just shot like a horror movie. Everything about it, like the camera perspective, the lighting, uh, the way the kind of arms are moving around. I thought it was it was scary, you know, especially if you were watching this as a kid. Yeah. And yeah, I, I do think that stands out. Not not really in a jarring way, but it. Th- I think the tone is a little bit different in that scene to pretty much everything else in the movie. 
Yeah, I yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, I well, I watched that as I was I must have been about 10 years old when this film came out and yeah, that that scene gave me uh gave me nightmares. Uh talking of Doc Ock, he looks fantastic in this and I think the uh, I think we we spoke about the previous film the special effects didn't uh really hold up and I think in this film they 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 have they've improved on them a lot more there's a few jarring moments uh but the compositing is a lot better and his arms look fantastic and that's four people operating them isn't it yeah I think that's probably why it stands up so well or most of it stands up really well as a there's a moment where he's climbing up the side of the building, isn't there, with Ant May, and it just looks like a PlayStation game or something. Um, but the actual arms themselves, the fact that they're using practical effects and they're not just CGIing the arms in later, I think that's what really helps it to, you know, really stand up well now because I, I'm not sure you can improve on them. Yeah, no, it, it just looks can, yeah. so good. Yeah, they, they, for the time that this was made, they, it, they look fantastic. They look very real. It, it, it doesn't look like there's a scene where uh, Doc Ock, uh, he grabs Mary Jane and he's carrying her uh, up a building and that doesn't look so great. But that's just a compositing issue. Like, And that's just of the time. But other than mm. that, they look fantastic. And I never realised each arm is slightly different. They're all, so they've all got different uh, designs. There's like one that's a bit of a clawy one, one that's like kind of a bit, it's more of like a grabber and yeah, they mm. kind of like have their own each personality. I think, I mean, for you is Doc Ock the best villain in this Sam Raimi trilogy? I think you'd that have to say William Dafoe, I guess that's the only one he's really coming up against, isn't he? For yeah, the- I think so. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm sure, you know, when you cover Spider-Man three, <laughs> we'll have a few things to say Sandman about that. Could have been a great villain. He could have he been. Could have been. He could. Yeah. He could have been. And uh, he, he's he's definitely after William Defoe and Alfred Molina. But uh, yeah, yeah. D- d- does Doc Ock uh, rank as your number one? I think he does because you can't get away from that Power Ranger suit. So Willem Defoe's yeah. kind of manic, uh, you know, crazy hammy delivery is fantastic but stick him in a power ranger suit and he looks ridiculous whereas doc ock you know he's got everything hasn't he and and you know like say the effects look great he looks fantastic can... i mean yeah he he's, he's perfect, built right? he's isn't he bold, in this one he's got his bowl yeah. cut and everything i mean he, he he i think we said it for the previous film that these films are a real uh the comic book coming to life and i feel with doc ock they really got that design right yeah absolutely and even before we get to meet alfred molina as, as doc ock i think it the film does a great job of showing where peter is in his life yes. and i think this was one of the things that made spider-man so popular back in the day is that you know he's just a regular kid he's He's not like casually like Bruce Wayne, you know, doing his philanthropy in the day and then uh, beating up poor people in the evening. You know, he is genuinely wrestling with life. And he, even with all his powers, he can't be everywhere at once. And he's trying to do and he's failing at it. It it did always puzzle me. Every time I watch it, I think, well, if this pizza guy, Joe's Pizzas or whatever it was called, 
if he can't get Spider-Man to deliver pizzas on time, who else is he employing? (laughs) It's like, who can deliver pizzas as fast as you want them to if Spider-Man can't? So I I, I just thought it did a great job of showing Peter Parker and how he was losing the battle, really, and and getting Mm -hmm. balance in his life. It's interesting as well, because I guess there's always been that thing where people have said about this trilogy is, oh, Tom Maguire is far too old to be Peter Parker. But then this Peter Parker, he isn't spending much time in high school. That's like the first, you know, that's kind of the first film, but he kind of leaves by the end, doesn't he? And then he kind of gets on with life. And I'm more, I, I, I like Peter Parker in high school, but I think we've done enough of that now. And I like seeing him out and about and how he deals with being an adult while also being Spider-Man, because that's a, a far more difficult task, I think, than being a high school student in that he, you know, he doesn't have as many responsibilities in his own personal life. And I think mm. it, is, it is taking that concept of Peter Parker, the responsibilities he has, but then go, okay, Tom McGuire is a little bit older, so this is how we shift it. You know, he, he has to, he, if he doesn't work, he's not going to have a place to live and, he needs to support Aunt May. And yeah, I, I, I like that aspect. And they, they do lean very heavily into it that he is so downtrodden. I mean, I think the first <laughs> half of this film is just basically him and his awful life. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I really do like that aspect. Um, th- I mean, everyone says this film is, oh God, it's so fantastic and amazing. It does have its problems still. I mean, I think the main problem I have with it is still and throughout this whole tree is Mary Jane that they're really just giving her mm. nothing to do. I mean, in every film now she is being captured and waits for Spider-Man to come save her. And that's basically the only thing she does. I mean, she's yeah, she's not adding anything, take her out of the plot. And it's just, he, Spider-Man's just losing someone to save. That's it. Yeah. And also with May, in a sense, yeah pretty much well the thing i guess you've got is you know when he's constantly letting her down and then she's kind of running off you know spending more time with harry i guess Mm -hmm. you know it adds adds a bit of a different angle but but you're right i mean she's pretty two-dimensional character really isn't she and uh, you know not really a, a real person i guess yeah exactly um it's interesting you mentioned about uh, Harry. That one of the ideas, a little, another little fact for you. Uh, one of the ideas for this film was to make Doc Ock uh, the same age as Peter Parker and create a love triangle. Uh, would you have liked oh that? Oh my word! I would not have liked that. One no, day. no. I think Doc. You know, he's got to be. He's got to have that kind of, like you say, the bowl cut. He's got to be a bit older, hasn't he? Feeling a bit more superior, no pun intended, to the arc where uh, Doc Ock took over um, Peter's body for Superior Spider-Man. Yeah. So I, I just think, um, no, that that'd be ridiculous. That'd be a, an ultimate Spider-Man story. I think you know, the yeah. kind of Brian, Brian Michael Bendis, he could do that one. I mean, but also what's good about Doc Ock is he uh, acts as a father figure at times for Spider-Man, you know, that father figure he never had. And he's even married Aunt May a few times in in the comic books, hasn't he? And that's kind of always been his role. He's a a tragic character and he shouldn't be made to be um, 
a, a love rival. He's he's already got a love rival, so he doesn't need another. Um, that would be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Would you like to know some possible actors that were, 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 were they felt could be Doc Ock? We've got Ed Harris. Ah, uh, interesting. I yeah, still. I still. I like Ed Harris, but yeah. I, I think Alfred Molina is a much better fit. Christopher Walken. Oh, now that would be interesting, wouldn't it? That would. Uh, I'm. I'm still. I'm still Molina. I'm Team Molina. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's an upgrade. It, it would have just been interesting. I mean, he was in Batman. Uh, is it Batman Returns? Batman Returns. Second. Second one. Yeah, the second Tim Burton one. It was a bit. Bit nuts in that one. <laughs> uh, and the last one, which I think probably would have been better, Robert De Niro. Oh, you know what? I, I I still think Alfred Molina is better. Still I think Robert De Niro's is uh, so recognisable, isn't he? I, I yeah, I, I'm not sure he'd be right for that role. Fair enough. Uh, another issue I kind of have with this film. I don't really understand. So obviously the, the the arms on Doc Ock take over. They they break past his little inhibitor chip that he has exposed. Um, but I don't really understand what what do the arms want, or what what is their what's their goal? Because obviously they've taken over now. What's their? I don't really understand what they they want. Just he he, he kind of has. Uh, the I always call it like the Obadiah Stain syndrome, where you just become insane for no real reason and just want to do bad things. Like, the, but there's no reasoning behind doing those bad things. There's no end goal. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Did you did you feel there that they had some ultimate goal? No, I I think they didn't. Did they? They just. I mean, there's a lot of kind of bad science in this as well, isn't yeah. there? I I think they just wanted. He originally, before the the arms took control of him a bit or had influence over him when his inhibitor chip was fried, he was already doing that experiment. And so when he's robbing banks and things, he needs to fund getting all the materials to recreate that experiment. Um, And the arms are just ultimately apparently whispering in his ear, you know, to get him to do those uh, those things but it's the, there's no end goal is there for the arms no is that and there should have been uh, i don't know the end goal should have been sank about their survival maybe they needed something to you know continue and, and grow in power i mean that could have been something i mean he wants to build the was it that energy source he has it's like the sun mm. essentially but why do they want to re why do they want to rebuild it? I don't. I, mm. I don't. I don't think it's ever really made explicitly clear. I mean, maybe I missed it. I do do that in films sometimes. I switch off and don't really listen to what's going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, I, I'm very excited for him to return in in No Way Home, and, and I really enjoyed re- revisiting this character. Um, here's a character I think I actually realised we didn't talk about in the previous episode is uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> and I have to say, I think him, uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Joe Jameson is hands down the best casting in comic books ever. I mean, you could say Tony yeah. Stark as Iron Man, oh, fantastic. This is this is it. They've nailed it. It is 
it's just dead on. Everything about the performance is brilliant, the look, everything. And yeah, he's fantastic in this. Yeah. I mean, you just can't improve on it, can you? You you look at you look at other actors, people like Hugh Jackman and Wolverine, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. I think you you struggle to think, okay, how could that be recast and Mm. You know, you separate the character from the actor now that we've seen them on the screen so many times. But if you saw any of the original kind of uh, cartoons and that for Spider-Man, and, and you look at J.K. Simmons uh, playing J. Jonah Jameson, which is a real tongue twister if you try and say it too yeah. fast, um, it, it's just perfect. And like you say, it's not just the look, which is obviously pretty perfect in itself, it's his mannerisms and his delivery and everything. I, it's just fantastic. I, I love it. And when, you know, Peter's asking for a bit more money and he's like, he bursts out laughing and he's like, oh, wait, you're serious. <laughs> just everything about him is done so well. And I'm just gutted. They took out a scene, didn't they? So when uh, Spider-Man gives up his suit and everything, you know, they take it back to the... Um, to the bugle and and then J. Jonah Jameson is is wearing it and he's sort of playing about in his office. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, they took that out, which is quite a funny scene, uh, which I do really like. They took out quite a few scenes this they uh the train sequence, there's um they took out a large chunk of it. There's um a part where um Doc Ock uh pushes Spider-Man down to side a train and lets him get hit by a train. Um, mm. I don't know why they're obsessed with Spider-Man getting hit by trains after Tom Holland also got hit by a train in God, I forget all the names of these films Far From Home uh, which is makes more sense why Spider-Man then gets knocked out so easily uh, mm. by Doc Ock because he did just get hit by a locomotive uh, and there's a lot more punching in that scene which they kind of uh, took out um, but yeah, I mean, just so much about this film is is an improvement on the previous. I mean, I mentioned in the in the previous uh, uh, episode that a lot of the uh, first Spider-Man, it felt like a set, didn't feel like a real place. But I don't get that feeling in this film. I, it, everything feels very real and like they're actually at a location. And even though, you know, a lot of mm. it, they are filming in front of, green screens blue screens whatever you want to call them but it just everything feels so much more visceral compared to the previous film and, and that's just something i really like about this this really feels like a fleshed out world um and very much contained within itself i don't feel like you could just plop these characters these characters couldn't be part of the mc the mcu couldn't be going on around them that these characters mm -hmm. are within their own world which is obviously why they need to come into the MCU and not have the MCU built in with them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it did cost a bit more than the first one, didn't it? Yes. You know, the first one was 139 million, which is, you know, not a bad budget at all, but they spent 200 million on this one. So I think they, you know, that not all of that is on the special effects. They, and like I say, some of that would have been on Tobey Maguire, no doubt. But, you know, I just think everything just is an improvement on that first one. Definitely. It, yeah, definitely, which is amazing, really, considering the first one is so good and this one improves on it. It's, um, yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I mean, what else? What else to say about this? I, I, one, one more little thing that I do like about this. 
Uh, of the first Spider-Man film to be released, or Spider-Man film to be released, whatever the correct grammar, gr- grammatical way to say that is, this is the only one that doesn't end with a funeral. All the others oh, end with a funeral. Yeah, yeah. That which is interesting. is bizarre. <laughs> what a bizarre thing to happen in four out of the five Spider-Man films end with a funeral. And this one ends with uh, Spider-Man swinging through the city, which is a much nicer way to end the film, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, one thing we didn't touch on in the first one is the fact that this came out in 2002 and you're talking about these kind of events, these attacks that are going on in New York. And obviously you'd had 9-11 that Mm. happened the previous year. So I felt like the kind of fingerprints and especially the very last scene where you've got Spider-Man and he's up there with the American flag waving and stuff, I felt like there was an influence there. And and again, with this one, it just feels like 9-11 is just very raw. So when you've got Peter on the train and he's passed out and everything, and you've got all the New Yorkers Mm. banding together, I mean, this guy with these killer fucking metal arms has stood right in front of you. You know, it's just not quite believable is it um and also the fact that everyone on the train is is prepared to keep peter's secret (laughs) (laughs) yeah someone should have definitely had like a flip phone that they could have took a picture of him someone definitely would have i know they didn't have iphones back then but they someone could on their nokia taking a good old (laughs) it's great with the fact that they're like you know it's toby Maguire, and he's clearly like mid-20s and they're just like He's just a kid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, they've uh, he I think in this film especially you can really tell he's like he's I, I mean how old's supposed to be in this? Probably about 19, 20, I would say. I guess he he's looks. left high school, hasn't he? So he's just he, left yeah. high school, he's in college, isn't he? So he must be about 18, 19, 20. But yeah. he looks cool, about late 20s but i mean he's a bloke and he's yeah. he's not a kid <laughs> at the time of the film he was 29 but he 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 was an old 29 <laughs> <laughs> because andrew garth i think he's tom holland is now the same age as toby Maguire was when he started the films but you know they they look mm. years apart and andrew garfield was older than toby Maguire when he started these films but he's just not got yeah, a yeah. real youthful look about him, which uh, is a shame. But I, I think they got around it. It doesn't take me out of the film. It's 2002. That that was the time. And you just got the actor and off you <laughs> went and, and yeah. had a look how, how it would go. And you know, he, he's, yeah, he's I mean, good in it. I think he gets a very unjust time. Uh, you know, People give him a hard time about, about these films. Oh, I don't, I, I don't have any issue at all with Tobey Maguire mm. in this. I, th- I think he's he's he did a great job, and like you say, he's quite iconic in this kind of modern day comic book movie uh, spell that we're going through. I, I think he was right there at the start. I, I definitely wouldn't have uh, many criticisms of how he performed in in these movies. I, I think he's done pretty well. I, I think the things that don't hold up as well and i do love this movie by the way it sounds like i'm taking the piss out of it mm. but i i do love it the, the other thing that's slightly ridiculous is the fact that you've got this uh this energy source that doc ock has created you know and it's supposed to have the power of the sun or something yeah but you just 
douse it with a bit of water in the Hudson River, and that's it. It's it's fine. It's put out. <laughs> it's yeah, totally it's, uh... ridiculous, isn't it? It's like... And I don't understand what was his plan. Was he just going to stand? Because he had to. He needed the arms to control the sun. So was he just going to stand there for his whole life and control the yeah, sun with the just, arms? Just arms and a burnt crisp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's everything I have to say about this film till, uh, until uh, we re- revisit the third. But yeah, for me, that w- I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I don't know if it's the best Spider-Man film now. I think after Spider-Verse came out and a Spider-Man Homecoming, I've probably rank it about third or fourth now but it was definitely the height of the spider-man films uh with the first five uh so yeah Mm. i mean that's all i have to add no that's good and like i say i I think for the first five definitely um this one was the peak and it was all downhill from here yeah (laughs) uh okay well uh that's the episode uh please let people know where they can find you dave yeah, you can get me on Fridays at Comics in Motion. Uh, we do the TV and movie reviews, and as well as a bunch of other places. But uh, that, that's the main one. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much for listening.